intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh, oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second that walk off home run. Grand slash. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fancy baseball podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. Tonight, George is joining with me. George. <laughs> Tonight, George has joined me. It's been a while, man, so don't throw me off. You can follow him on Twitter at jmontez90. And we have a very special guest joining us. One of our Fantrax people, Eric Cross. I don't know your damn Twitter handle, Eric, so um, <laughs> I should have prepped that. I think it's Eric Cross underscore zero four. I could be wrong. Take out the underscore and you got it. Ah, oh, Eric Cross 04. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's sad. I memorized that. That's like stalker stuff. Man, what's, <laughs> what's going on though, man? Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It's our, no, it's our pleasure, man. This is yeah, a, absolutely. feels a little overdue with how much we talk and how much I bother you behind the scenes about the writing and stuff. But Right. <laughs> right, yeah. Who- we've been working together now at, with Fantrax for, you know, basically since Mike and I joined in halfway through the season. So, it's, yeah. yeah, it's nice to have you on. Yeah, for sure. It's and for a little bit. For those who don't know, we've had a lot. We've had a, a pretty big uptick in you know list, uh, listeners lately. So for those who don't know, George and I we've been podcasting together now for since the beginning of the show, basically. So a little over like six months, and we actually got picked up at Fantrax the same exact time. And Eric, he's obviously the big name of the group here. He he's been helpful behind the scenes and all that. We finally got him on the show. We all write for Fantrax. It's becoming a it's becoming a tight knit little group over there because. Surprise! I'm surprised with how how much we put out for how little, as far as like writers we have. You know, compared to like pitchless who just hired fifty. Like, what happened there? I don't know. Right. Hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that was that was a big hire. They're, they're a huge uh, growing site too. I know it's not. It's nice to have competition, but it seems to be a little. It seems to be friendly for now. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's all friendly. I, I met. I had a chance to meet. You know, like Nick Pollock and Alex Fast and all them mm-hmm. out, of, out of the first pitch Arizona, and then they, the Arizona Fall League. They're, they're all just great guys. This is fun. It was just fun just to, you know, you did all the, the meetings and the presentations and whatnot, just sitting around just talking baseball with everybody. It's a great time. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I found out like I was actually going. I already planned on going to um, first pitch Florida. Obviously, that's something I guess you and I are both doing now, officially or unofficially, officially. I haven't decided, yep. Yep. but it's it's happening. So awesome! Can't wait to meet you down there. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun because I really wanted to go to Arizona, but obviously, I mentioned it. I think in the chat earlier, just isn't real. It's really hard for me. I'm sure. Heck, you have kids. You get it. Oh yeah, it, it was. I have to like. I'm already planning for like around my kids thing. For, you know, for this to go in a couple months down to Florida. It's. Yeah, it's, it's like a coordinate with their mother and, and my mother to help out. It's just, yeah, it's a whole whole thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> My wife gets whatever she wants for Christmas. <laughs> I'll tell you that there right you now. Go. Smart man. <laughs> and she gets something else afterwards. Like, whatever she wants. That's like, that's, only, that's my way out. But uh, enough about that, man. We're going to take, it's episode 61, and we are going to talk the shortstop position. But before we do that, Eric, you seriously... I don't know how you have the time to do this, the prospect scouting you do and all that, but man, how did you get started in fantasy as a whole? And how did you end up going down the prospect rabbit hole? Cause that's a heck of a rabbit hole to get digging into. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, you know, just start out. I, um, I, I was on a fan tracks league a few years ago. 
oddly enough, it was a fan, uh, EPL league, oddly enough. So I was, I had never used fan tracks before that. And one of my buddies was like, I need another person for my EPL fantasy league. And I'm like, well, I own literally nothing about soccer, but I'll always set my lineup for you. Um, <laughs> I got onto that and that was probably, I don't know, 2015, 2016, something like that. Um, and then they, you know, six months, a year passed. And um, my buddy who was in the league, got the Fantrax newsletter or email, whatever you want to call it. Um, and for some reason, I didn't get the email, but he's like, hey, I know you've been looking to get into writing on the side. I was like, yeah, he forwarded me the email, and I sent him a trial um, or test article, whatever, which oddly enough was about Austin Meadows back when he was a prospect in the Pittsburgh system, which is kind of funny. And then, um, yeah, and then they, they liked me, brought me on, and I've kind of been here ever since. I've, I've uh, also – had a little, about a year since didn't at a uh, fantasy pros, um, which was great. I loved it there, but then when they made me exclusive here at Fantrax, I left there. Um, it was a great time there as well. And did a little bit at fan side of it as well, but yeah, I've been here at Fantrax for kind of pushing three years now. I think I started in like March of 2017 back when we were just really getting the content side ramped up. And let me tell you from what, <laughs> what it was then to what it was is now. This is ridiculous. It was like, Obviously, when you get started, that's you know chaos, and you don't really know what you're doing for the most part. And we, uh, it was very scattered. It was not a lot of organization. Um, but then you know we found we went through a few different editors, and we finally we got Doug on. Um, you know, Doug's been great, obviously, from in many different ways, and we've really oh yeah, just really just flourished, and not just with what he does with like with our SEO, um, getting our stuff noticed, but just like the organization and the planning and. Um, that him and I do, and so it's just it's just awesome. So, um, yeah, see where we where we were then to where we are now. It's just insane. So, um, yeah, it's just been a fun fun little ride here. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was yeah. Gonna say, people don't realize how rare it is to stick to only one or two sites. Like the fact that Fantrax was one of your first sites, and you've been with it this long is very very rare. Yeah, yeah, it's very they, yeah. Technically, we're my first site, and you know, I, I kind of always I'm, I'm old school like that. I don't like jumping around. You know, I like staying at jobs and stuff for a, a while. I'm not like the person that jumps around a lot. So you know, they've been great to me, and you know, I've had a good relationship with with Tim. And um, yeah, it's just it's been great. Um, it's been giving me no reason to leave. So um, yeah, and just to see, especially with how much how you know how much on the rise Fantrax has been just on both the you know fantasy platform side and now you know the content side just trending up so it's like it's like it's like a rising stock you don't want to really jump off board you know Mike and I we couldn't be more grateful to to be a part of this now you know it's awesome to see and, and you know the the grind really does pay off you know and that's where Mike and I are headed to now we're, we're you know here writing podcasting you know two three nights a week at least um, you know, aside from, from all the writing we're doing. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really cool. Thank you for, for sharing that. Yeah, no problem. It's, it's a, it almost feels like, even though, you know, I wasn't one of the ones that started fan tracks or anything, it almost feels like it's kind of a little bit my baby too, just because I've been, you know, been here <laughs> from the get go and helped, you know, kind of bring it up to what it is now. And um, it'd, it'd, be, it'd be hard for me to ever leave fan tracks. It really would, unless, you know, like some hundred thousand dollar a year job comes calling me or something to, to write some, you know, beat reporter for the Red Sox or whatever. But, oh man, yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> That's you know, the dream yeah, right there, <laughs> right? You know, Fantrax is my home, so I, I love it here. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you guys have uh, something good going on. But so anyway, shortstop. This is just the deepest position in fantasy. Um, right at the top, we can just jump right in. I guess I lost my rankings, of course. <laughs> is there any real difference? I think no, we're all Lindor at one. 
I guess right away, Bregman and Story, me, George and I have them at two. You have Story um, three and Bregman at two. Sorry, let me clarify that. George and I have Story at two. You have Bregman at two. Is, yeah. there, is there really a huge difference between the two or do you just prefer the floor type of thing? Like I, I prefer the floor, really. And mm-hmm. um, like they're, they're really, I think if I put them all together, like overall rank, because they're probably like two spots apart. They're all kind of like in like that 10 to 15 overall range. Um, but yeah, there's, there's not really a big difference here at the top. Um, yeah, I, I do like Bregman's floor. I, like, I love the power he brings. I think there's a little more um, to be had there. Um, yeah, I, I just really love his all-around game. And are you similar as far as like, – because obviously you know I'm big on tiers, thus the particles I put out about the tiers. Do you kind of take a similar approach with like – maybe you'll mix up some drafts, you'll take Bregman some, Story some, just to kind of – because you value them similarly enough or – are you yeah, hard set? I, yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I definitely, I definitely do. Um, just kind of mix it up, and you know, because one of the, what are the odds, you know, that these guys are put up the exact same value? You know, one of them's probably go up a little bit, one will probably go down a little bit. That's you know the ebbs and flows of baseball mm-hmm. and production. So, you know, I, I guess Bregman could, Bregman could win the MVP this year. Story could win the MVP out the NL. So it's like, if you kind of go one and one, you kind of, it's kind of like almost like when you. Uh, if you're filling out like a March Madness bracket, you know, you got that eight, nine, you have no idea. It's like, all right, it's a coin flip. I'll go eight on this bracket. I'll take the nine on that bracket. It's kind of like, kind of mm-hmm. hedge your bets here. So you're going to hit on one of them at least. So I kind of did that the other day in the, in the prospect mock where I'm CJ Abrams and Bobby Witt. I have like basically nose, you know, um, head to head. And um, I went Abrams in one and then I went Witt in another mock draft. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's when they're that close, kind of like, yes, yeah, pick one or the other really. Yeah, for sure. So I, I have story too, just because of, you know, the stolen bases there and, you know, two back-to-back outstanding seasons with, you know, 30, 20 type of seasons, the, the batting average looked like he, you know, can maintain that uh, kind of high batting edge, but you really can't argue with the floor for Bregman. That play discipline is just like ridiculous, you know, 17% walk rate and doesn't strike out a lot. Um, I know some people question like, you know, the stack cat, his stack cast page and stuff, but I mean, you look at most of his home runs that are, you know, mostly all to the pull side and that works, that works in Houston. So, right. uh, you know, there's no reason to think that, you know, he can't, it's he can't a skill. Really sustain that. Right. It's a skill of his at this point you see. And if you watch like people break down the tape, you see, he's actually a really good pull ball hitter. He, sh- he looks for the ball up in the zone, pulls it. And that's how he generates his power. I have a question for both of you because I haven't heard either one of you speak on it or really seen any tweets on it. I have honestly answered it. So I'm not going to really go into it, but, Real quickly, both of your thoughts. We'll start with you, George. Are you worried about Bregman and the whole sign thing, the sign stealing and the, that type of deal? Because I get that a lot when it comes to the Astros players. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm not really wor- worried about it. Not with someone like Bregman. How about you, uh, Eric? Sorry, I almost called you Alex for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you have you had Alex Fast on here not too long ago? Then, and, Ch- and Chamberlain in the same <laughs> week. So, yeah, I have Alex on the brain in a nah, weird way. Nah, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> – I'm not either. You know, as soon as I think um, the whole issue came out, I, I I went and looked at a lot of these these players, the top players, you know, Springer and Altuve, mm-hmm. and Bregman, and I looked at their home road splits, and Bregman actually over his career, and almost you know, he has 262 games played at home, 255 away. Home, he's a 280 hitter, 874 OPS away. He's actually a 292 hitter with a 946 OPS. So it's like. It, there's no you know big home advantage for him. He's actually been a better hitter on the road. He's more power on the road. So, um, 
Yeah, if, if there was some like huge, if, if you're sitting like 320 at home and 260, I mean, on 260 on the road, maybe. But yeah, kind of like, like George said, it's you know he's a, such a professional hitter on the and the, especially with his plate discipline, it, it, I don't think it really was too big of a factor for him as it was might have been for others. I'm glad you brought up the home road splits because I try to drive that home on Twitter on previous podcasts. I've mentioned I looked at just in 2019, figuring this has been going on for a few years, and 2019 was very much the same story. The idea that Bregman hit better on the road than at home, although slightly he hit both great both. So it's just yeah, just drive home the point. We can move right on. Then there's really no um, point. In yeah, something kind of related to that though. I did want to kind of bring oh, up here. Oh. Um, you know, the issue, I think the bigger question is the question with the juice balls. You know, I think uh, based on what we've seen in the postseason, a, a lot of what you hear, a lot of what we've heard is like, well, you know, maybe they're going to correct the juice ball going into next season. But I know that Rob Manfred recently spoke on that and said, you know, it's due to some inconsistencies in the stitches and uh, due to the launch angle, you know, revolution. So that kind of gives me the sense that maybe we're going to continue to see that, you know, bouncy ball come, you know, next season. Yeah, you know, when you get caught in a lie and you just try to talk your way out of it, that was yeah. that was like the stitches. What what do you launch angle? Yeah, everyone. Yeah, the launch angle. There's some truth behind that, but the launch angle alone is not going to, right? You know have this many home runs added to it, you know, a little You're bit. Yeah, break absolutely. records. Exactly. And then we break the record in like mid August. It was like a month yeah. and a half of the season. <laughs> it's like August 23rd. And we're like, okay, we just set the home run record. We still got 40 more games to go. Um, I mean, you had the twins break the team record and then go to the postseason because they had a different ball and couldn't do the damage that they did regular season. That was like right. a glaring difference there for the twins. It was like crazy. Yeah, I know they they forgot how to hit the hit at all in the, well, the postseason. Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> but in general, I mean, I mean, yeah. how many of those balls would have gone out in the regular season that maybe were flyouts or warning track shots? You know, right? And you know, and, and I kind of agree with George. Like, I th- I think there might be a slight decrease, but like, I don't think we're gonna go fully back. Is you know, they did this for a reason. Whatever they whatever they did, you know, I don't know if we ever find out exactly what the, what the heck happened, but whatever they did, they did it for a reason. They wanted more offense. They're trying to. You know, get you know more off pe- kids, younger people that love the off, you know, love offense. You know, you know, a twelve-year-old doesn't really have the appreciation to watch like a pitcher's duel between Justin Verlander and you know Shane Bieber or something like that. You know, like like more of us older. Mm-hmm. I'm, 20, I'm, 20, I'm twenty-nine. I'm saying I'm older, but um, <laughs> yeah. but, 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 but I think most we're all of the, twenty-nine actually. I think we're all the same age right now. Yeah, I'm twenty-nine. So am I. No shit. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's like. So they they're trying to get the young younger kids interested in baseball, you know. So I think I think offense is going to stay. So maybe slight decrease. They might make some like minor adjustments to you know satisfy everyone, satisfy the older crowd. But yeah, I, I don't think we're going to be like you know falling off a cliff here and like oh Pete Alonso's hitting thirty two bombs next year or something like that. You know, I don't think it's going to be like a huge drop off. Yeah. Well, yeah, you I'm know, you the best way to increase kids getting involved is taking away the minor leagues and <laughs> and making and making it to where I can't take my kids to the cheap uh, high A games right down the road for me. We yeah. could have a whole pod on just me ranting about that. Oh, I know. That's why I brought it up. But I mean, I was actually legitimately upset when I when I saw my um my high A affiliate is the Reds affiliate right here, at Jackie Robinson Stadium yep. in Daytona, the Tortugas, and um I was legitimately like really upset because we go there 
not, not as much as I would like, obviously, but, you know, I got to see Jonathan India. I actually got to see Scooter Jeanette when he was here um, on rehab, and it was kind of cool just to be able to interact with these guys. There's very minimal, like, you get a chance to actually talk to some of these kids mm-hmm. and um, interact, and just something that you can't do at a pro game. And honestly, I can't afford to take a family of four or five to a game. I can't. Exactly, but, dude. It's, but, it's ridiculous. Like, but I could take them down the road. Yeah. I'll, I'll just hit on this quick because I, I could, I could rent for an hour on this, but yeah. you know, my, my home, I have one, my home ballpark is about 50 minutes from my house. And then the next closest, there's a couple of ballparks that are like two, two and a half hours away. Um, my is double a Portland. That's not in danger of, of being cut, but you know, I can, I can see for a lot of people that, that are kind of similar to me where their parents that are bringing their children to the games and trying to, introduce them to the game of baseball, um, which is very important. You know, there's always been the stigma like baseball, you know, fandom is, you know, kind of the older generation and it's an older fan base than in like basketball or football, um, which is, which is, which is true. And I think like for, I have a an old high school buddy who coaches at uh, son of Western mass. He, he lives now, but he coaches a little league and he was about two or three years ago. He asked his team, you know, 12, 13, 14 kids, if they knew who Mike Trout was and like a third of the team knew who Mike Trout was. That's terrible. That's a, that's on, a problem. That's on MLB and, though, man. And, and yeah. That, yeah. That is an MLB, you know, in the West coast thing, but, but still it's like, you know, you need more, you know, you need to get the younger generation more involved and you're trying to do that with the offense. But you know, a big part of that is going to see the game live, you know, like on TV, I can see how, you know, a 10 year old can't sit through a three hour game on TV. I can see that, you know, right. but, getting to the game, you know, is experiencing the, the atmosphere and interact being right there with the players. Even if it's just like, even if it's just rookie ball, whatever, you know, like oh, yeah. getting, getting kids to the game. Like I, I have, I have a seven year old and, and a almost four year old. I bring both of them to games. My seven year old a little more because she actually can, is learning to enjoy the game and not just all the, the hoopla and all the promotions they do. Um, yeah. She's learning to actually start loving the, the game itself now. And it's great. You know, I can see someone that's in my, you know, my same situation that is in the danger of losing their ballpark. You know, they don't get to get that. And it's, you know, a couple kids that might not end up playing baseball and, you know, who knows what they could have done. So I, it's, yeah, it's, that's a whole, I, I hate that this is going on. It's, They'll probably come to some like you know median where they don't cut forty-two teams, but they cut like twenty or something like that. But still, it's it's just it just stinks all the way around. Well, not to mention that he didn't he threaten to just sever ties altogether, with that, which makes with no players? sense. Like, does he realize that like nobody when they're drafted is ready to go to the major league? Nobody like uh, he has, the most advanced collegiate bat is not ready to play in the majors. Like, I just don't understand what <laughs> what like what happened. Where did, like what is up with this guy right now, man? I know, and then like we have Bernie Sanders like fighting him. It's like it's turning <laughs> hey. into like a soap opera. It's like weird. I'll take I'll take the help from anybody that's a bigger the name is Sanders. Get him, Bernie. Get him. <laughs> Feel the burn, man. Feel the burn. We're not a political, know, right? we're not a political show, but this is one thing we can all get behind. Someone yep. trying oh, to yes. save the sport. We can move sure. on. Let's not get. We, that's a whole other rabbit hole. All right, <laughs> back to shortstop. Reel this back in a little bit. The, uh, again, it's pretty similar to the top. You have I mean, we have Trey Turner, Tatis, right there in that little. I guess I want to kind of hear your thoughts because I think yeah, it looks like me and um, Eric are right there with Turner being next up. But you have Tatis ahead of Turner. Is it just the upside? I guess for you, George. Yeah, when I was looking back at this, I'm thinking like. You know, I might have gotten a little caught up here with the small <laughs> sample size with Tatis, you know, and that potential. Uh, yeah, the hype, you know. Um, with that so you really said, <laughs> that's one spot different. I mean, you're, I mean, I yeah. get it. So, 
Oh, it's uh, funny. I, I get called the low man on Tatis. Like when <laughs> when they posted this, like there was someone. I feel someone was like, "Oh, Eric, you're the low man." I'm like what, what on Tatis? Like, have you like followed me on Twitter for the last like two years? Well, when you look at Nathan's ranking of second, <laughs> we're all the low man on them. Yeah, right. it's, it's like, and like it, uh, just on talent alone, I, I might put him. He'd be right up there two, three for me. Like he's that good. I think like in my dynasty rankings, he he is my number one shortstop. Like he's that good, but. One thing that just worries me is that back, you know, like Korea. back injuries. <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, Korea, God. That's, um, what, that's what came to mind instantly when yeah. I saw him go down with that back. I was like, ooh, please don't tell me this is Korea again. I know. It's, it's like there's two things that worry me most. Like for hitters, it's back injuries. It's because, you know, obviously the torque and the swing. And then for pitchers, it's shoulder injuries more more so than elbow injuries. So, and the fact that he's only, I think, was he 21? 20? Uh, 20? Yeah, he's like, and he, and he had an injury at 20. It's like, it, it just throws a red flag. You know, maybe it's not nothing serious and it was just, you know, one time isolated thing. And he's, you know, fine. He's a workhorse, durable guy for the rest of his career. I hope he is, but just, it, it just threw just a little bit of caution where, you know, it, no back injury. So I have him at five. I would put him ahead of Turner. Yeah. And, and I'd be thinking about maybe him at three, probably right behind story. He'd be, he'd be right there, but just, just a little bit of caution. Maybe he misses some games when he plays, you know, one thirty-five, one forty. Maybe it's, Maybe there's cautious with him, and you know, give him a you know day off every week, which I, I wouldn't blame them. But they're you know him, him being the cornerstone of the franchise going forward. So it's just that kind of threw this a little bit of caution in my 2020 ranking for him. Yeah, I, I the back like I said the problem with me is I really did go right to Crea. Funny is funny thing is obviously we'll get to it. Oh, I, George is actually with me with Crea. I'm still kind of high on him. I can't quit him, but we, we'll get either. there. We'll get there when we yeah. get there. We have um. <laughs> Okay, this one's easy. Bogart, sixth. Across the board, I guess we all agree. Solid high, four category upside, no real holes in the game. Just no, just doesn't, just doesn't off the ceiling of these guys ahead of him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. He, he, dude, the dude just hits. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. I was just going to say that. The, the guy like just hits, man. Yeah. He's I mean, like he's third in, in baseball, third in baseball in doubles. You know, uh, his 555 slugging was second among shortstops. I mean, the guy just just hits. Yeah, he, his swing is. I, I talk about this a lot with guys that you know have a swing that's tailor made for the ballpark that they have their home games in. And then his swing, you know, he can elevate the ball, he can pull the ball, and you know, at Fenway Park, that usually means you know, like a lot of doubles off the wall. You, you put a lot of balls, you know, into the monster seats, and so I mean, good things. And he's he's adapted. He's a great hitter. He can go the other way, obviously, and you know, he can hit one out into the you know the right center field gap and um you know just seeing him kind of flourish you know he always had this potential obviously he's one of the top prospects in baseball back in the day just see him you know kind of go from good hitter to great hitter over the last you know two years just watching him every day you know being a boston red sox fan up here this has been great he just dicks it the dude just hits yeah see i'm I'm just, I'm just surprised to see him down at six because i figured your bias would have played into this one but i, I try to keep my bias out of it <laughs> well it's sometimes easy. i can't but <laughs> it's easy for me as a marlins fan i have no bias there are no, <laughs> my teams aren't relevant i hey, I, I did that hazers <laughs> aguilar now like what do you oh, i did sneak him into my article if you know if you didn't i don't know if you had a chance to really look at it jesus aguilar made my article of the the deep league hitters to go after you know what i mean Oh yeah, yeah, I did say that. Yep, I snuck him in there. I got my Marlin in there. That's it. Though. That's it. Oh, there is one more on this list. We're gonna get to um, shortly. He's down there. But anyway, right there. This is kind of where. Oh no, wait. We all agree. Javi Baez is seventh. I thought you had him tenth for a second. I realized that wasn't you. No, it was Dawkins. 
he likes to play um he likes i feel like he like a little recency bias here or something like he's he's all over the place with some of these ranks yeah he has vr way ahead of us yes and he has other players way below us so he's kind of the uh I don't know. Are we too much in line? Or is he, maybe he knows something we don't. Maybe. Or he's wrong. Or he's wrong. <laughs> he's we'll just see. wrong, yeah. <laughs> Let's go uh, Correa, 9, 9, 10. Oh, Gleyber Torres. Okay. I, I'm a <laughs> so no. This is an interesting one. <laughs> well, we all agree he's eighth, and I wanted so badly to put him below Correa, but Correa's health kept me from doing it. Same. That was that was the only reason. But where are you guys? We'll start with you, Eric. What is your expectations with Gleyber Torres this year? I would say that he'd be 10th, 11th, 12th if he was on, you know, the Kansas City Royals. I think mm-hmm. the fact that he is a, you know, shortstop and he's a unique Yankee that always has that buzz, kind of like the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. You always have that buzz because, you know, it's Derek Jeter's position. Um, and, and that's um, – um, he's a great player. He's a very, very good player. Um, you know, I, was, I always had him ranked, you know, pretty highly back in his prospect days. Mm-hmm. Um, power's there. You know, he's, he could run a little bit. You know, I don't think he'll ever hit for a super high average. I think he's more of like a 275 in that general ballpark hitter. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think, obviously, you know, everyone talks about the numbers against Baltimore and how he had like a, basically a third of his production <laughs> against the Baltimore Orioles last year. And, obviously, yeah, that's kind of a random outlier. I don't expect that type of thing to happen again. Um, but I expect, I expect, you know, kind of more of the same. From him, I, I don't know if I, there's that next level to get up into the elite. You know, he's only just turned 22, so who knows? But you know, I, I think what you, what we saw from um, from Torbe, Torres, I said Torbez, I almost combined his first and last name um, from from Torres <laughs> in 2019. You know, is is pretty close to what you're gonna get. You're gonna get a bunch of power, obviously, in the Yankee Stadium. We'll give him that nice little boost. You know, he'll he'll add in probably you know 10, you know, five to 10 steals a year. Um, and I don't know if he'll, you know, he hit 38 last year. I don't think he ever gets up over 40, but I think I think he'll probably settle into the 30 to 38 range. Um, obviously, he's going to have a lot of counting stats, you know, hitting in the middle of the Yankees order. That's always going to be good. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you let, you know, last year you, is pretty a pretty good benchmark for going forward, but I just don't know if there's that next level necessarily that everyone else especially people that live in new york think there's going to be like, i don't think i don't think there's gonna be mvp caliber upside here but just a really really good player are you taking him at his adp right now because i think we both had a discussion about just not liking where he's going where is his adp i, mean, I forgot where yeah, yeah i forgot where it was yeah, at, but i think we've had we've had that discussion i believe and it's I'm just it's one not, of those but... things it's yeah one of those i'm things pretty much like Go ahead, George. I'll let you give your thoughts. Yeah, on I'm pretty much right there with you guys. The, the biggest problem for me is, is his ADP. I checked his uh, NFBC ADP earlier. It was like at 25. Yeah, so, he's I going. Mean, he's yeah. 30. Where was I? I just lost it. 38. And he's yeah, he's going 38.2 on fan tracks. As the, that's the 35th highest ADP. And then for shortstops, and then we have listed the second baseman, obviously, because he played there last year. but. That would put him seventh at shortstop, right behind Baez and Bogarts, and right ahead of Mondesi and Marcus Semien. Semien stands out right there. Wow. Yeah. yeah are- so, I mean, I'm pretty much right there with you, Eric, regarding Glaber. I mean, if he was playing anywhere else, you'd think he'd be much lower. I mean, because 27 of his 38 home runs either came at Yankee Stadium or in Camden Yards. 
So it's yeah. like, you know, that's he's playing to those advantages right there. I was going to say, the, the problem is, though, is like we, we – and I'm with you guys as far as like thinking there's – I don't think he's going to be close to that 40 home run guy he almost, you know, did last year. But we have to remember he still gets to play at Yankee Stadium and at Camden Yards. Exactly, and, yeah. And the Orioles haven't really done anything to address their pitching. So, so <laughs> no, like, they never will. So, because of that, well, they have DL Hall. I'm a huge DL Hall guy. Um, <laughs> but that's, I guess, that's a few years away. Regardless, though, it's just like I want to, like, it's, I'm not, I won't have him because of his price. But I'm also a little, I'm also not buying in. But then you look at, like, then we just look at all this. It's like great hitters, uh, division as a whole. The pitching has gotten, it's okay. Nothing special, really, right? In that division for the most part. I mean, Trying to think what the Red Sox are kind of lacking in starting pitching, unless Sale comes back in his sale again. But even then, it's only one guy. Um, yeah, the the uh, not the Royals. Listen to me, wow, I'm all over the place. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, with the uh, library, you know, 38. I don't think that's a terrible 25 on NFBC. Definitely is way too high. Um, 38 is, is 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 a little high for for me, but it's not like I can insanely high. But like yeah. I, I think you know, in every draft you're in, you know, whether it's twelve team, fifteen team, whatever, there is going to be someone that loves Glyber Torres more than me. It's just it's just a bound, you know, it's bound to happen, you know. And so someone's gonna take him in the third round, late twenties, early thirties pick, and I'm just not, I'm just not willing to go that high. If if he falls to me and you know mid to late third round, early fourth round, you know, pick forty, forty five in that general ballpark, I'd be all over it. Yeah, he's just but like you said between, I've, I'm just thinking he's gonna, he's almost gonna rise like come draft season when more people actually come back to baseball, Yankees fans and everybody else will be like, oh, he's going so late. Like if they look at fan tracks ADP, he's probably gonna get closer to that 25 that you see in NFBC right now. So I can see that. Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be the big issue. And then you have Correa. See, like we both, we all pretty much want to put Correa right there, and he's going what like 30 picks later, 40 picks later. Roughly, oh, wait, where where is he? I just saw he's going like in the eighties, yeah, seventies yeah, or eighties, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's value. I mean, I I get it. I really do. Like, I I have been one of the biggest Korea supporters around. Like, I I traded uh, Chris Sale back in the day in the, one of my my home uh, dynasty league to get the rights to get him when he came up. You know, I got other things with it, but you know, just I was been super high on him for a long time been a supporter of his when most people were jumping off the, you know, the Korea train, you know, just, just the injuries. I still think he keeps showing that potential, like in smaller bursts, like yeah. he'll be on like this, like crazy, like, you know, 290, 40, 120, 120 pace, but it's only over like, you know, 50 games and he gets hurt again and he twists his knee or it's his back or it's his elbow, whatever else. He's, he has like a myriad of injuries in addition to the back. But if I could guarantee him to, even give me 140. If I can guarantee 140 games out of him, I'd have him a few spots higher. I, I love the potential. I think, you know, I don't think he's going to run that much anymore. He hasn't, you know, since compared to his early days. I don't think there's that 20 still upside like there was once was. But I still think, you know, the, the four category upside that Correa possesses, I still think is higher than Gleyber Torres' four category upside. I truly do. I think there's more power. And I think there's, you know, a little bit better hit tool there. So I think he hit for, you know, 10, 20, maybe 25 more higher points than average. He's shown that he hit like 321 one year um, in his first really breakout year. So I think the upside is higher than Torres's, but he just gets on the damn field. I yeah. like him to be similar. If he could stay healthy, him and Bogarts have a, 
have an argument to be had as far as who would be higher. Bogarts, oh, you, well, you take Bogarts as a, you take Bogarts for the health, obviously, but a healthy Correa and Bogarts are very similar. No, it's just funny you mentioned that because who who is it? We had that debate here at Fantrax, like in our Slack chat, like last year. I was on the Correa side, and I think Van and like Seth Klein were on the, the Bogart side. So it's just kind of funny you brought that up because that, that was that was like a big discussion one night. Oh uh, well, it'll happen again. <laughs> it'll happen going into twenty twenty one if Correa can pull out that healthy year. I'm telling you. It's it's gonna it's bound to happen, right? Like eventually, one of these years, he's going to stay healthy. It's just it's bound it's gonna happen. At some well, point. and at this price, this is the year to buy in. I haven't gotten him in my early NFBC drafts, but that's because in NFBC I tend to play it safer a little earlier. But in twelve teamers or something shallower, I'll I'll be all over him. I already know, like in auctions and stuff, I'm gonna be all about Correa's price this year. Oh, I, yeah, I, he I, was on definitely. pace to to he was on pace for a career year here. I mean, he had 21 home runs in 75 games. You know that hit tool, like you mentioned, Eric was supported by a, a 290 expected batting average. He was hitting more fly balls. You know, he's hitting fly balls at a higher rate than he had before. So, I mean, yeah, the all the potential in the world is there. I mean, and and here in our shortstop rankings, where things just start to get, you know, a, a little iffy. I mean, I. At the same time, while I have Correa here at nine, I'm thinking, I mean, why not have someone like Manny Machado, who has been healthy for five straight seasons, you know, giving us 32 home runs, at, you know, each of the last five seasons, why don't I have him here? And it's just, like you said, that potential, I just can't quit it, you know? All right, well, let's jump to Machado, because he was going to be an interesting topic, because I was thinking about moving him up, personally, yeah, because all the surrounding pieces have gotten better which suggests that he should have more lineup protection, which in turn also suggests he should have a better production as a whole as far as RBI output, run output. And like you said, the home run, the power is there, but we just, we've come to know him as a batting average, not liability, it's the wrong word, but lackluster batting average when he's not playing at Camden, basically. Like a career batting average, like in the 260s, I think, away from Camden. So that's my only concern, but it's hard to ignore – like the value's there now, and it's hard to ignore moving him up. And I, it's like you're right. I want to move him up, but I don't know. <laughs> it's just shortstop is so deep, man. Here and you know when you look at Machado, he's basically been the same player. You look at his stat cast, and, and he's been so consistent yet inconsistent. You know, like the results have been inconsistent. And you look at his 2019 season, and it's pretty much identical to his 2017. And I mean, he bounced back nicely from that. You know, so, I mean, it's there. It, it could be there for Machado this season, and it could be a value. Oh, yeah, it, it definitely could. You know, it, like you said, he's been very consistent. I saw somebody put out a tweet the other day that um, you know, he's the only player to, uh, over the last, you know, five years to have, like, 32 home runs and, and a couple other benchmarks. But it just, it just showed his consistency. And, like I said, you look at, you know, starting in 2015, 35 home runs, 37, 33, 37, 32. He's been, you know, right in that 32, 37 range every year, you know, with 90 to, you know, 105 RBIs, 80 to, you know, 105 runs scored. You know, this, the, you know, speed has fluctuated 20 to zero to nine to 14 to five. Um, as has the batting average, but, you know, he is a very, just a very solid player, but I think, you know, if he's not running as much anymore, um, you know, and he's still people, he's been around for so long. I think people think he's like 30. I think he's 30 sometimes, like <laughs> how long he's been around, but he's only 27. Yeah. Um, and he'll, he'll be 27 for, you know, he'll be 28 to half through the season, kind of right around the all-star break. 
um, he's still he's still entering you know that prime you know years of your career as they say. So you know I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of you know, look look at his 2018 here when he hit 297, 37, 107, 14 steals. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he you know pushed you know 335, 110 again. I really wouldn't, especially I I really like this Padres lineup in 2020 just with a fully healthy Tatis and adding, you know, Tommy Pham. Yeah, I like the, yep. the Trent Grisham ad, you know, and, um, you know, and I, th- I think Meyer, Myers has to bounce back at least a little bit, I think, I hope, I don't know. Um, I don't really care, but <laughs> you, you got to figure he might be a little bit better and at least provide a little bit of protection. Um, so, and the lineup isn't, isn't, isn't bad. It's, and I think it was like 20th or so last year. I, I think it could sneakily be maybe pushing a top 10 offense um, in 2020. So kind of got all those guys around him. Um, yeah. I, I see the counting stats being there. So. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's like little things that like his carry rate went up a little bit last year, but how much was he pressing because he, you know, had nobody else on ahead of him and was just trying to make things happen. And then you like, I'm You know what? I, I'll make, I'm making the switch. I'm such a Mondesi hater. I'm going to put Mikado <laughs> at 11 and put Mondesi at 12. I'm just, I'm not a Mondesi guy. I hate chase. He is a glorified Billy Hamilton with a little more power. Did you can, see, did you see my, my tweet like last week? Yes. Yes. You actually happened to tweet it out. And it was funny because I think on a previous episode, is he second base eligible? I don't recall. Uh, I don't think so. I'm not sure. I don't think so either. No. I just remember he was a topic of discussion, and I've called him a glorified Billy Hamilton on multiple occasions with a little more power and obviously a little more batting average upside. So that's why he's a – Billy Hamilton is a poor man's Mondesi, but Mondesi (laughs) is also not as good as we want him to be, I feel like. Yeah. There's so many dis- – like, and I got roasted by Mondesi supporters just, like, attacked me um, from all corners of the damn globe when I put that out. And it was just, I wasn't trying to, like, say anything by – I was just – I'm not a Mondesi guy either, so I was just trying to, like, poke fun at the fact that his stat cast data sucks. Um, and it was like, oh, look, Billy Hamilton. Obviously, he's better than Billy Hamilton, like you said. But, you know, and the, the speed, it's, it's an asset. It really is, but – you know, and he could add 15 home runs or so to that. But just the fact that the contact skills are bad, the plate discipline is even worse. Atrocious. And, and <laughs> he, has, he has, he's coming off a shoulder injury that, you know, I don't forget exactly what it was, I think subluxed or whatever it was, some weird shoulder issue. Yeah. No, maybe it was a labrum, something like that. Um, but that's, that's a killer. That can be a killer for power. So, like, any 15 to 20 homer pop that he, you know, potentially could have maybe he's he's only if that shoulder really limits him there and he's only eight to ten maybe 12 peak this year you know while adding in a bad batting average and yeah that's the speed like i said it's still be an asset you know he could still steal 40 bases easily with his speed but you know for where he's being drafted as which is where is he being drafted i I think the price has come down a little bit 46 so top 50 you know that's better than it was, but still, like I, I like him more than like that seventy-five to eighty range, which I will never get him there ever. So um, this is always to be like four to five Monacy supporters in every league I'm in. But mm-hmm. you know, it's just just too much. I want more all-around production from a top fifty pick. You know, I want a guy that can, yeah, the speed is great, but give me twenty plus bombs, give me like a two eighty average, give me something else, at least one of the two average power, give me something else that's above average and then then we're talking but said so the power could and in average are gonna be probably below average this year 
both. So like, I, I just can't justify a top 50 pick on him. And the runs in RBI, they were fluky last year. They started the year really, really strong, but it's the Royals. There's no way that was, that was going to sustain. And sure right. enough, it didn't. And not to mention speedsters like this, rabbits like this, they always have soft tissue injuries, almost always, without, without fail, a hamstring, a groin, something. Right. So there's there's time missed there, not just not just to mention that shoulder, but you mentioned a guy that has offer offers more all around game, or you mentioned you prefer that, and we me and you agree. We both have Bo Bichette ahead of him, but oh, George yeah. is George is not. George, and I was hoping we could talk George into making that switch. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm sitting here listening to you guys and thinking about that already. But I mean, yeah, I have Mondesi at ten, pretty much because of that speed component, uh, the potential for you know to to be that category winner. Um, I, I know the plate discipline is terrible. Um, yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing, man. Like when it comes to categories, people want to try to win every category. My goal with speed and Roto try to come in second or third. Like I'm not trying to win it anymore. Like you don't have to, like there's so you have to remember, like yet there's give and take. If you take a modesty, you're, you're taking a step backwards in three or four other categories while yep. only gaining in one. That's my big thing about modesty. Exactly, and the reason why I have I have Bobichet three spots ahead of uh, ahead of Mondesi, and maybe I might even move him up ahead of uh, Gleyber Torres here. It's just you know, and I, I might I've I've also seen Bichette a ton because he's a double A yeah. home ballpark is in New Hampshire, which is one of the, those ballparks I mentioned that's two hours away from me. So I saw a ton of him when it was like him and Vladdy and yeah. Biggio and Lordy Scurriel, uh, who's a great uh-huh. name we should talk about in a little bit here. Um, Oh, no, he's not shortstop anymore. He's not shortstop anymore. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah no. I'm forgetting that. Never mind. Scratch that. Anyways, <laughs> um, but yeah, just Bichette, I was just so impressed with Bichette. Like the hands are so quick. Bat speed is electric. Um, he scalds the ball all over the field. The power is they not he's not a huge power guy, but he could definitely be like a twenty to twenty five power home run guy. You know, there's more speed than than he showed in, in his you know. 60 whatever games with Toronto. He's a 25 steel guy. He's got speed. You know, that he could hit, you know, close to or maybe even over 300. It's just the all round. He's kind of like what Andrew Benatini should have been or what we all thought he was. He's kind of like a 325 25 guy. That's what Bichette could definitely be, you know, in, in 20, um, in 2020 here, just all round stud. Oh man. It's funny because, uh, you know, I, I was, I was prepping, you know, for, for this podcast before. And that is the exact name that came to mind when I was looking at Bichette was like, well, this is what Ben Andrew Benintendi should have been. I mean, and, and it makes me want to put Bichette higher too. I have him at 11 and I, and as I was prepping, taking some notes here, I thought, I think I'm too low on Bichette. I think you are too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm the middleman. I have him as a top 10 guy. I have him at 10 and that's just because I'm more, I, I I don't know. I, I believe in the talent. I just have a hard time taking him over some some proven commodities. But then again, how proven is Correa? And that's what's right. like I gotta I gotta like that. that but, that's valid. But they're they're in the same tier. I have this is a very big tier. But the yes. next name that I want to address, we talked about Machado already. Jonathan VR, and we're all similarly. You're a little higher than him than me and than George and I are actually. I am. Well, you were when we did these ranks. Right? No. Oh, I am. Yeah. I am. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so I, in general, I just don't consider myself high in VR at all. Yeah. Well, when you look at again, Nathan stands out as being because he has him as eighth. But this goes to show you that none of us value him as that top twenty-five, top thirty guy he's going as right now. I think yeah. that's almost universal across all platforms. He's like the, going to the Marlins didn't change anything for people. I don't understand it. 
Yeah, and and that we did these before that move, if I recall. We did, um, we did. Yeah. yeah. So in, and in, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to like make myself look better here, but I would drop them down in another spot or two, just because you know I think the power isn't going to be there going from Baltimore to Miami. Um, obviously Miami is more of a pitcher friendly park than Baltimore. Yeah. Baltimore's always been like a top ten hitters park. So, um, and I think people, you know. VR has been, you know, really good off and on in his career. Like you've seen, like he had that one really breakout year back in like, what, 2016, 2017, whatever it was. Um, and then he, you know, then he had last year where he kind of came out of nowhere after a couple so-so seasons. But, you know, 24 home runs is the most he's ever had. Yeah, it was 2016 where he had 19 home runs and then 62 steals. He's not a 62 steal guy anymore. You know, I think 35 to 40 where he's been the last couple of years, that's fair. Um, yeah. Average has always kind of been like 260, 270, you know, like solid, not going to hurt you, doesn't stand out at all. But if he drops back down, let's look at his 2018. 260, 14 home runs, 35 steals. Would you guys say that's pretty fair for 2020? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which which is – that's a fine fine number. But, like, when you compare it to 274, 24, 40, you know, and, you know, 111 runs, he's not scoring 111 runs in the Baltimore with, – uh, with Miami. I'm sorry, Mike. He's not. No, no. absolutely not. I, I'm okay <laughs> with that. But we're also going to trade him midseason for, for peanuts if that's what it takes. And he, he, yeah. might end up, he might not end up even starting where he goes. Or, be, or he might be a platoon. Or you never know, man. Exactly. so many questions there with that. There, there is, there's a lot of questions. So, you know, but he's two almost category like guy. two category guy. And that's if he even comes through with the batting average. Ex- exactly. Yeah, he's kind of like best case scenario. What people th- would hope like Montessi would be like <laughs> 15 to 20 home runs to two sixty to seventy. Like I think, I think I'd rather definitely, you know, at, at their ADPs, maybe I'm starting to maybe think a lot over Montessi at this point, but um yeah, it, it's just tough when at least he can give you something. Unlike Montessi, we don't know how how the powers would be. Even if you know, obviously, I don't think Pilar. I would bet everything I own. He's not hitting twenty four home runs again. But you know, look at the last three years. He had nineteen, eleven, and fourteen. So he's at least been double digits. What's the average like? About fifteen or so, right there. So you know, I, just, I, I can see him being back in that fifteen range, which is you know, all right. Yeah, I mean, I think he, I think when you play one hundred and sixty games, you can fall into. Uh, yeah. 15 home runs. I right. just look. I just remember the one stat that sticks that stands out to me out of the 24 home runs you mentioned he hit last year. 16 of those were at Camden. Eight of those were away from Camden, and he actually had a few more at bats or plate appearances, I believe, on the road. So just goes to show you that yeah, it's 15 is way more likely. Just looking at the basic splits that he put up last year, and I was with a juice ball, so to speak. So exactly. Yeah. You know, one guy I think we're all and I've come maybe I've come up on him and I actually was technically the high man by one spot, but that's Tim Anderson ranked right there. I actually had him ahead of VR initially, and I definitely do now. I don't buy that he's a suddenly a batting title type of hitter as far as the batting average goes, but what what's not to like? He's in a better lineup this year. The there's a power speed component there that we all like. Honestly, I was upset because I was in, again as NFBC dropped him in. VR fell to me uh, – sorry, not VR. Tim Anderson fell to me, like, in the seventh round. I was like, wow, or, like, sixth round. And I was like, this feels a lot like a Starling Marte type. Yeah, he, he could be. I, I don't think uh, the average like, – look. Don't he's kind of had the, he, Yeah, he's been on opposite ends of the spectrum last two years, 240 in right. 2018, the 335. Yeah, I think – I don't think he's 240 bad. I don't think he's 335 good, um, especially when you look at 
his plate discipline where he doesn't like yeah, the walk at exactly. all. Fifteen walks to 109 Ks. Granted, he you know he improved the strikeout rate. He's kind of been steadily improving that um, each uh, each of the last few years here. So that, that's nice to see. So yeah, I, I definitely don't think he's going to be reverting back down to the 240 250 range. But you know how you know valuable is he at you know let's say let's throw right in the middle. Let's say like 280. You know, 280, and I think he can. You know, 20 and put, 20. Yeah, 280, 20, 20, and then that's very nice. You know, it's a very that's solid. Very Starling Morte-ish without the price tag. Exactly. But yeah. This that's... is the thing. I, I don't know if like with Marte, he's shown the upside for more. Like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe if that upside for more is there. You know, he, he he's had 20 and 26 in 2018. 2018. Yeah, maybe I think that's probably his ceiling in both. And Marte could be more like a 25, 30 plus guy. I get that. Yeah. I'm just I'm I'm with you guys here on Anderson. I mean, I think that like Eric said that that 2026 20, was kind of his ceiling and with someone who doesn't take a walk, you're going to have seasons like this where he's going to be on opposite ends of the spectrum with someone who relies on, you know, the balls in play. I mean, he, he had a 399 Babbitt um and then when he hits the, the ball on the ground at a 48% clip, I mean, well, like his I speed say, is elite or close to its 80th percentile sprint speed. It's not like it's not like yeah, he can't, but he's relying he, on that BABIP. Well, and well, the reason and what's interesting about his profile is you look at it. He was way more aggressive last year. He swung way more. His swing percentage went up like four percent above his previous career high. His O swing, which you don't want to see chase rate go up, but it did. But what's a little promising is that his contact rates pretty much all went up four percent, I think, as well across the board. Yeah. So. I'm not saying that the contact rates will all stick, but if they do stick to a point, we're still looking at a guy, like I think, like you say, he's not the 240 hitter, he's not that three, whatever, 20 hitter. I think solid 270-ish batting average is fair to expect at this point, given the, gro- given the growth and changes in his plate discipline and match and match up with his speed. I think 20, I mean, I just think, again, I like the value. I'm not saying I'll move him up my ranks all that much, but I lo- yeah. I'm loving the value of where he's falling because – Again, I, I I wish I passed the Marte in the third round of that draft because I did I, I took Marte for the speed aspect, but Marte also is shown to be pretty injury prone at times. You know, a lot of soft tissue stuff. So it's like I could have taken somebody else that maybe maybe a little power, which I ended up you know, again. I addressed it just fine. My draft turned out fine, but it's just one of those things. that's like I'm you're so worried about getting speed early, but a guy that can offer you twenty to twenty five steals is falling to like the seventies. I think his ADP is like in the seventies of these early drafts. And it's like, why is there no talk about him at all? I'm just, is it because shortstop is just that deep? Because he doesn't quite stand out? I, th- I think that's it. You know, and I think I'm actually looking at ADP right now. And Fantrax is, he's, ADP is 113, which is insane. Wow. I mean, it. I, I think, <laughs> I think when just looking at our rankings for the ADP, obviously the ADP is, in, is insanely low. Um, for shortstops, so it's going to be overall here. For shortstops, if my computer will load, there we go. That is the 11th ADP. That's my. Oh, so we, we don't have everybody listed here. It's only the primary position. But that's probably going to end up being like the 15th or 16th shorts of ADP once you add in all the other guys that have eligibility at shortstop. Mm-hmm. But, you know, our, our rankings, I think we have him – and we have him 14, 13, 14. I think that's fair. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think, like, everything we've been saying, it's great. he's a great little player. Like, who do we – but, like, who do you move him ahead? Like, for me – That's like, where I struggle. Mondesi yeah, yeah. is the big name that stands out to me. Right. Because in my in my rankings, I have him right behind. See, thirteen Machado, twelve Mondesi, eleven VR, ten Correa. Like maybe I can move, I can maybe justify bumping him up one or two, but like I don't think I'm putting him in the top ten, even with that nice little profile he has. Well, no, and I'm not saying he's top ten, but to like for instance, 
you're looking at VR. Going, we just talked about how much we don't like them. We, we just talked about how much we don't like Mondesi. <laughs> we just, you know, I mean, we just kind of poo-poo these guys. Although they offer more steals, Anderson offers them a better overall line. He's in a better lineup, and that lineup's gotten better around him. And there's pieces coming up with Madrigal and Robert, or Robert to even complement that lineup even more. That's and he's only 26, I think. I just looked it up. Tim Anderson, I think he's only 26. Yeah, I think years that's old. right. Yeah. yeah, 26 years old. So there's a lot to really like there. Why are we not have? Why do? Why as an industry are we not? Anderson over Mondesi and VR. Those two names specifically feel like stand out as names that should be under him, but aren't. And I think I think the stolen bases that just goes to show you that there's that much of a premium on stolen bases because those guys offer about fifteen to twenty more potentially. But they, I just think Anderson offers you more of an all-around game, and I'm always about getting the all-around player, kind of like how you were talking about um, earlier. So yeah, hundred percent. Anderson's the safer pick, especially when you when you factor in ADPs. Oh, especially. especially. Yeah, especially then, but just in general, you know, he's he's the the safer pick. Um, so said, uh, my point is, though, is why don't we? Why can't we? Like, I'm having a hard time doing it myself. He's above VR for me because of the whole issue, just with everything. But why am I having such an issue over Mondesi? Is it like am I like I'm so anti Mondesi, and yet I can't make that change in my ranks? I I think honestly, <laughs> it might be you know a little bit past performance where you know you look yeah. at you know, two two prior years, two fifty seven, two forty. The plate this one's always been atrocious. Even though, like I said, that the K rate has come down a little bit, but I think people just say, like, oh, he walked 15 times. I think, I think people just think that he's going to fall off a cliff due to, you know, that plate discipline where, yeah, I, I think it, it does hinder, you know, players to, to a degree. But we've seen guys that don't walk a ton, you know, have long, successful careers. Like, first thing that comes to mind always is for me is Adam Jones. He never walked a ton. No, but he, he, he had right. a long, like – you know, year after year, he was always in like that 280, 25 home run range. Um, even even with only walking, I don't know, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but maybe what 30 times a year. So I I think it can't you can get by with it, but I don't think you can get by with a 15 to 109 walk to K rate and hit 335. Yeah, unless you have insane like an 80 something, 85 to 90 percent contact rate, which he does not have. Like I think you said it was at I'm looking, I just pulled up finger at 77 percent contact rate last year. That's it's not yeah. great. It's not terrible, but like it does not support, like I said, three thirty-seven average. I, I just think that the fact that that people just think he's going to regress kind of just puts them off of him, really. Well, that and honestly, it's really hard to go against the industry norm and the ADP data. It is like you know how hard it was. Like I'm looking at my ranks. I'm working on my overall ranks, and I do really believe the whole Olson over Alonzo thing, which we're not going to get into. I've beat that. And <laughs> I what is it, what, what's my oh, saying man. now? I, I beat that dead horse. I made up a really weird saying. I beat that dead horse into the ground. Into the ground. Yeah, yeah. It's such a weird <laughs> saying. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> I combined them one night, and now it's like kind of stuck. So I beat that dead horse into the ground, <laughs> and we're not going to get into it. But like, I legitimately believe that. I have a side bet with one of our co-hosts, Zach, and it's there's a jersey on the line for one of us. I get Olson, nice. he gets Alonzo, and um, but. I, I'm having a hard time doing it physically in my ranks because it's so anti the industry and I'm not trying to be a trendsetter, but it's, you know, it's one of those things where I have to stick to my guns and I got to make it happen in my ranks, but I have a hard time doing it because I know I don't have, I think I know I also don't have to rank it that way because I know, because you know what I mean? I can get my guy later. So it's like, it's hard for me to make my ranks so different from what you see because you know, you don't have to, to get the guy you want. So it's weird. Like right. I'm having that, I'm having that issue as well. But at this rate, we're going to be three hours long. So let's figure out. You know. <laughs> um, Marcus Simeon, no, uh, yeah, so much for not skipping skipping around. I mean, none of us are really buying into last year. Or is it, again, I think it's just more of a testament to, this, to the uh, position. Right. Yeah, for me, it is a, a testament to the position because I've, I've always 
been a fan of Marcus Simeon and it's it's been nice to see him make some gains over the last few seasons from 2017 you know he was striking out 22 percent of the time then down to 13 percent last season and, and I mean it's been last three years it's come down so I mean last year we're looking at 285 33 and 10 and if he didn't already have a 27 homer season it'd be hard to buy especially when you look at like his stat cast page but yeah, I like I like Simeon. You know, I like the way he's been trending. He's probably one of the mo- most improved players. You know, just over the last few seasons. It's been yeah, it's exactly what it is. I mean, not much to add there. What about you, Eric? What are your thoughts on Simeon? Yeah, no, that, that's pretty much it. Now on Henry, I, I don't think he's you know this good, but you know, he like you said, Hort, um, George said he has made some gains, and you, you see it. You see it with the underlying metrics. The contact rate's been going up. He was eighty-two point nine percent contact rate last year, which was a career high. And you, know, you see the swinging strike rate has been going down consistently the last few years, and you know, he's not he's not chasing as much. You know, he's, you've seen he's, he has improved. I think he was definitely one of the biggest benef- beneficiaries of the juice ball. I don't yeah. think he's a hit 33 home runs again, but you know, even, even yeah, even if you put him in the mid 20s and you know right. add it, add in you know 10 steals and you know a 270, 280 average, you know it's, we're kind of talking almost the same thing as I think value wise. I think he can be very close to to Anderson. I think maybe it's yeah. a little more power than Anderson. Anderson has a little more speed. The average probably pretty similar, but. Yeah, I think it's just the depth of the position and the fact that Semyon's never been that sexy player. You know, like he's never been a guy that has huge power or huge speed or, you know, just a huge name in general. He wasn't a huge prospect back in the day. So, you know, I, I think the fact that he's been kind of been flying under the radar out there in Oakland, just quietly producing, I think it's hard for people just to kind of buy into that breakout. And that kind of, I mean, now we've entered, like, Simeon for me finished that tier when I did my tiers, because I feel like he offers a little more upside than these next few names, but he might fall into this tier the more we talk about him. Because, <laughs> I mean, you have Jorge Polanco, Corey Seager, uh, Elvis Andrews, Andrews, and they all stand out for their own reasons. Seager I got given a little grief about because people are still, like, treating him like he's Corey yeah. Seager. What, yeah. Like, they still have these expectations that just don't – that aren't there anymore, I feel like. I mean, Corey Seager and Jorge Polanco are the same player. Yeah. Like, I mean, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Polanco has speed upside that Seeker doesn't, but Polanco didn't run last year, which was like my big thing. I wanted him because I thought there was like 10 steel upside and he didn't run at all last year. I think like two or three steals, if I remember something stupid like that. Yeah. Like the thing, thing with Seeger is like, he doesn't run. He's never run. He, no. didn't, he never, you know, even, even dating back to his minor league days, you know, he, he never showed a ton of speed there. And so you, you kind of boom from five categories down to four. Um, which is kind of odd. It's, you know, most of them with shortstops, you know, most of the time you get, you know, at least some speed production out of them. But, you know, take that right out there. The fact that he's been injured a lot. You know, he's played, you know, 20, 26 games, 2018, 134 last year, 145 back in 2017. So, so and, and the powers were kind of turning the, the wrong way. The average has been turning the wrong way. You know, I, I was, you know, fairly high on him back, back in his prospect days, not to the point where, you know, I think well, people had him as a like top five at some point. But, the fact that he he doesn't run and you know the, i think the hit tools there i think the power is there but it's not like the power's not great you know 26 that he had in his rookie year i think he can get back to that but i don't know if there's 30 35 home runs in that bat i don't think there is you know and i right. think he, i think he I, I really do think he could get back to 325 which is great but i, I just don't think there's upside for more than that and in fact he doesn't run 
Um, he's never been a you know, big run producer. He's never had a big RBI total. And I know that's really fluctuating to where you put, you know, where you are in the lineup and what lineup you're in. But you know, the fact that you know he'll he'll add some runs in. So he's, I think he's more of like a three and a half category player. We'll have some. He'll have a good average, a good, fair amount of runs. RBIs will be kind of you know so so seventy ish, seventy five, eighty maybe. Um, but I don't think he's to be you know approaching. He'll never be a hundred plus RBI guy. And, you know, power will be there solidly, but you know, I, I don't think he doesn't have that breakout elite upside that even like a guy like Correa has or something like that. Right. It's just people don't want to let that go. <laughs> and I've, I've caught, I got grief and I had him so low. I was like, again, the upside's limited, but a lot of it's just the position itself is ridiculous. But my big comp now, I'm curious how you guys would think about this, but how much difference is there really in Seager and Didi Gregorius? <laughs> like, is there really yeah. that much difference right now? I think there's a little more batting average upside for sure for uh, with Seager. Yeah, but I can argue there's more power upside now with Didi and over at the, with the Phillies. I, I would agree with both of those uh, things, yeah. I, I, Which is overall, crazy. <laughs> yeah, overall, like – yeah, you looked at like twenty. You know, obviously Didi was you know hurt a bunch last year, but twenty eighteen when he hit uh, two sixty eight, twenty seven home runs. You know, I, I think there's a little bit more power up. And he's going to a good hitters park. You know, for especially for for pole hitters, um, lefty pole hitters like he is. I think like what ninety plus percent of his career home runs have been from the pole side. Yeah, well, even maybe, short maybe, porch. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I would be too. Um, but the fact that he's going to a good ballpark that's kind of fits him. I mean, yes, for one year, it's, who knows where he'll be in twenty twenty one. But I, I think this year, I think he can definitely get back to you know the twenty eighteen levels. Um, you know, I think so. There's yeah more batting average upside with Seager, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, overall, they're pretty you know overall value wise, not too far apart. Yeah, I thought it was funny looking at these because um, at this point we're we're looking like at you know fallback options for like middle infield and stuff like you know someone who's not going to kill you there. But uh, I thought it was just funny that you know Seager's last like kind of fully healthy season, you know, twenty seventeen, he hit twenty two home runs, four steals, and hit two ninety five. Where this last season, Jorge Polanco hit twenty two home runs, four steals, and two ninety five. <laughs> That's yeah, so <laughs> one of my favorite guys here in, in this range, like like I said, we're, we're kind of all looking at basically like you know just solid middle infield types, but a glob, uh, so to speak, like right, yeah. Um, but one of my favorites here, Ahmed Rosario. Um, I, well, have I was gonna bring that up because 18. have you seen where Eric has him? At least again, okay. Let, let's clarify because the reason why we question the ranks, we did these about two weeks ago already. A lot's changed, including DD. None of us have adjusted to DD. It's been it's been a while, two or three weeks already, right? I mean, regardless, it's um, we do this. Yeah, we posted this on the fifth. So yeah, it's been about two weeks. Yeah, wow, it's only yeah. been eleven days. It feels like it's been like whatever. It does. Right? <laughs> it feels like it's been a long time. But <laughs> but so much has changed because like I know for me, Didi is closer to a top twenty guy compared to the twenty fourth wherever we had him. So yeah. But regardless, you see, Eric has Rosario at twenty four, and me and you both have him eighteen and nineteen respectively. Yeah, yeah, and I have him eighteen. Right. Just I mean. <laughs> I like the game. He's he's gotten better every single year. The last three years, he's improved the strikeout rate, line drive, exit velocity, barrel. I mean, marginally, but I mean, his contact, his swinging strike rate. I just see a improvement year after year, and, and I like the direction that he's going. He hit, you know, two eighty seven with fifteen home runs, nineteen steals. So, I I think you know he's he's heading in the right direction. Yeah. So I kind of defend my stance here. 
I like Rosario, but yeah, I'm definitely not as high on him as most. And 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 that even back, dating back to his prospect days, I wasn't super super high on him. The fact that you know he he has had you know back to back seasons where he was right around twenty, you know nineteen nineteen steals and then twenty four steals, but he gets caught a lot. You know he, he was yeah, un, he was nice. under uh, under two thirds success rate last year, you know, and barely over that in twenty eighteen. So I'm, I kind of question how much if he continues to run, you know, as as much. You know, maybe he's only a fifteen steal guy long term. And you know, I think I think there's a touch more power to be had there, but at the same time, I don't know if he's more than like a 20 home run guy. So maybe he's, you know, kind of in that 15 to 20 home run range, 15 to 20 steal range, you know, and, and the batting average 287 is I think maybe the highest we'll see it. This what this one also isn't the greatest. He doesn't strike out a whole ton, but doesn't walk a lot either. So. I just don't know. Yeah, he's made yeah, he's definitely right. He's made improvements, and I think there's a little bit more to be had in the tank for overall value. But I just don't think he's really going to be breaking up to be close to a starting fantasy shortstop anytime soon. Yeah, I'm just. It's. I think a lot of it's just the steel component at this point. Like I'm going to chase the. I'm. I'm just a little more favorable to be chasing the speed, even if it isn't the most, the prettiest way of obtaining it. I'm just more likely to go after it, which kind of is why we all have Andrews right there. And Andrews, it'll be interesting. Sorry, sorry to break you uh, to uh, cut you off there. I was just thinking it'd be interesting to see if they move Rosario to the outfield. Don't do this to me. <laughs> it, they might. I, I actually I asked that question myself, and you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't done my Mets <laughs> top twenty-five yet. But you know, when I was doing it last year. Where you know a lot of their top prospects are, you got Andres Jimenez, you got Ronnie Mauricio, you got Sherman Newton, and it's more so the the first two, Mauricio and and Jimenez, that have the the super upside. But like, you know, they're not overly far. Like Mauricio is probably twenty twenty two ETA. Jimenez could be up maybe late twenty twenty, but probably more twenty twenty one. And you know, Rosario's still under contract for a few more years, I think. So at some point, you know, they might have to ask, you know have that question asked and make a move here maybe you know even they move Rosario to third base you know there's plenty of things they could do I mean somebody second base third base but you know you can't all three play shortstop so right something's gonna give who knows and and they're all pretty solid defenders too which is the funny thing like you know it's not like all right well he's a you know more of a bat first guy so he's the, the option to move over to third but they're all fairly adequate or better defensive shortstops too. So that kind of, it's, it's a good problem to have. And these, you know, the, these things always have a way of working themselves out. Maybe you know, Jimenez doesn't have a great 2019. Maybe he's, he flops or maybe Mauricio doesn't reach his potential and it's still going to be Rosario. Who knows? I think there'll be some time to figure that out. I do know that they just need to not mess with my JD Davis. <laughs> I, that's all I can think about the whole time you're talking. JD Davis needs to get that bat in that lineup. He needs to just go to AL Parker. They need to bring the NL to the, oh, sorry, the DH. To the the NL. DH. Yeah. So, but J.D. Davis is not being moved. You stop it. You're my hype man. Do not ruin this for me. Not in 2020. I, I like him. I, I think I was looking at our soon-to-be-released outfield rankings. I wasn't actually – I was surprised when we put these in. I'm only like four or five spots behind you and J.D. Davis. I'm trying not to be – remember how you – because I don't have bias towards my team. I do have really bad bias towards players I like. But I'm also trying to be realistic. And there are, as of right now, some playing time concerns. But I also haven't tinkered with the ranks. And I realize I've left like a few players out of the top four that should be in there. So he might move down or move – yeah, he's probably going to move down down closer to 40 actually which is crazy because again i am very high on them but i'm not i'm not bullish like i'm not that bullish i get it like i i'm trying again I'm, I, I might be the high i'm higher on them on third base oddly enough than i am in the outfield but 
I guess this. Yeah, I, I, I can talk. About, I can talk about JD Davis the whole weekend. <laughs> yeah. I guess this, this is my my me amor. About as much Spanish as I got. All right. So Elvis Andrews, I was gonna bring up relatively quickly. I'm concerned. Like I'm not as confident in him for that speed that he started off on fire last year, and then if you look at the second half, everything fell. The batting average dropped. Like it was like a sixty point difference lower. I think the steals dropped. The home run production dropped and cut in half. And now you're going to a new ballpark that's supposed to be more pitcher friendly, or at least neutral because of the dome. You know, it's not going to be mm-hmm. as hitter friendly. So I'm not that high on Andrews. What do you guys think? Sorry. Yeah, I'm. I'm not either. I, I think definitely for he's he's being drafted right, definitely right behind Anderson and Polanco. Do I definitely like them? Um, especially Anderson a bit more. Um, I, I do like the speed. I think. But the fact that, you know, he's had some injuries uh, over the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, can we, I mean, what do you only have, like, five steals or something? Like, it went way down last year. He has running 97 games. But, yeah, he only had five steals in 2018. And I, I know he's battling some injuries, which definitely put a factor in. But it, it kind of has, you know, brings that question up of these kind of speed first guys that, you know, he's, he's going to be uh, turning 32 during next season, and that's not you know, super old. And we've seen guys like D. Gord and then what and whatnot still have speed into the 30s. But you, you, we still have a question: How long is he going to stay at this 25 to 30 steal range? And especially if yeah. he, and if the power goes back down, like he's yeah, he had 20 home runs in 2017, which is a total fluke, and then 12 last year. You know, maybe he's back down, and every other year he's been single digits. So maybe he's back down to the eight to 10 range with 25 steals and. The average has been, you know, okay over the last couple of years, but not great. You know, the Texas uh, Texas lineup is, you know, not what it used to be. You know, this it's got some upside, but it's not a great lineup anymore. You know, it doesn't have any big – doesn't have Adrian Beltre and Josh Hamilton, you know, behind them to, you know, knock and knock him in, you know, 90 to 100 times. Like back, like back in his 2010 to 2013, he was right in that 85 to 96 range every year. And he had 100 back in 2017, but – for the most part, he's been hovering in the 70s for runs scored. And when you don't factor in, you know, he's been mostly in the 60 to 70 range for RBI. So it's like, that, those are okay. Those don't kill you. But you know, he doesn't stand out there. He doesn't stand out in power. Average is decent, but not great. So he's got really got to rely on that speed to be above average. And you know, even that's in question. You gave way more analysis than I was anticipating, so thank you for that. That helped me out. <laughs> this is me. I, I, yeah, I can't agree more, really. Yeah. A couple of names, because we, we're obviously, let's be honest, we're running a little longer than I anticipated. So we're going to kind of fast forward this part. We're getting to the part where it's a bunch of names in a glob anyway. Yeah. I'm going to summarize Kevin Newman. We all rank him 20th, 21st. A, a good source for middle and field for speed and batting average a little bit of power but nothing to almost similar to like what you're saying with andrews eight to ten home runs possibly like that's pretty much that with that um counting stats to be determined hard to really anticipate with the pirates probably not good um but two guys i do want to get your thoughts on are horner nico horner because you're higher on him than us probably on consensus you have him ranked 18th and me and George have him twenty twenty first, and then I want you to jump on to Key Boom, who you're actually a little lower than on the a lower a little lower on than us. So I just want to hear your thoughts as the prospect guy you are, and I couldn't let you not you know talk prospects a little bit on this pod. <laughs> of course, you get you got to get into a little bit, especially when they're they're relevant. And yeah, Nico Horner, he's he's a very under he's a very underrated hitter. 
very polished, very advanced bat. You know, he, he was a, a collegiate guy, always had a good hit tool. And, you know, the, I kind of like the side with those guys that you know, have the good hit tool is, is it gives you gives you a good floor. You know, the average is going to be there uh, with, with Nico Horner. You know, he's probably always going to be kind of in that 280 to 300 to 310 range. Uh, I think it'd be you know, right around 300, give or take. Um, what he had 282 in his little 20 game stint with the Cubs in the last year, hit a couple bombs. Not, not a ton of power. Never has been. Like look back at his days at Stanford. He only hit you know, a couple home runs every year. And I don't think he's a zero there, but I think maybe he's you know, like it's eight to 10 home run guy, but there's some speed. There's 20, 25 steel speed. So the average will be there. You know, he can walk a little bit too. Um, so he's not like, you know, plate this one's there just doesn't strike out that much at all um i think the strikeout rate last year in the minors was right around 10 percent um which is pretty much in line with what he's always been um so i, I think the, the upside is not there but i like the floor that late where you know he should be getting the playing time uh you know and you could obviously shortstop the nice little middle into eligibility here and this, the fact that he can if he goes i really could see him going 280 you know, eight to 10 home runs, 20 to, you know, low twenties steals. Uh, and then, you know, at least a decent amount of, of runs scored. I think he ends up, you know, it's kind of hard to tell where he's a hit in the lineup, but especially if they trade Chris Bryant, like, like they're being rumored to do, like, I think he moves up in that lineup. Um, I think so. You know, he'll have at least a little bit of counting stats. That lineup will still be good. Um, regardless of how they kind of work it, so it'll be at least a solid lineup. So I think, you know, I don't think there's much more upside past 18th. I don't think he's ever going to be really getting ahead of that. But just the fact that he can – he could be Elvis Andrews this year. He really could, which I think yeah. – I think, and I think there's – you know, I think he's pretty safe to do so. Um, and I think he's a better lineup than Andrews too. So, you know, it's, it's kind of where I have him there. And then Keyboom, um, I love Keyboom. I really do, but – with, I think there's still a lot of moving parts in Washington. They're still kind of got some openings, but they're they're rumored to be bringing back Zimmerman, and you know if they do, he's going to be starting at first, and then Ugh. bringing back bringing back Howie Kendrick. Ugh. You know, kind of what's that? <laughs> I just keep saying "ug" because it's like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. like they're doing the Rockies impression right now. Right, they love Zimmerman. He was the first, you know, first draft pick in the franchise history. You know, they love him. I get it. Um, at least he's not like really, really blocking anybody per se. But you know, the fact that you know, I, I'm a little more. I think we did these. Yeah, we did this before the Rendon signing. So I, I kind of ranked him a little lower. So I, th- I thought Rendon was going back. I thought if anybody went back, I thought it was to be him. Um, so the fact that he would slot back in at third base, and then they they had resigned Howie Kendrick, and I thought they could bring back uh, Zimmerman. Um, so I was like, you know, kind of questioning where he plays. Now that you know, obviously that hole at third base is gone. So you know, they maybe they slide Howie Kendrick over to third base, so that opens up second base for Keyboom. I can move him up closer to the 23, 24 range because the, the dude hits. Like, there's not much speed upside, but you know, I saw him in the minors. He, dude just scalds the ball over the field. Uh, he can hit for average. He can hit for power. He'd be like a 280, 25 to 30 home run guy. Um, yeah, he didn't hit well at all during his uh, you know little cup of coffee last year, but. You know, you kind of write that off, and I don't really look at too much in the small sample size, especially for MLB debuts. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I think if if you go if when when you're drafting and it looks like Kibu, whether it's tomorrow or mid February, if it looks like Kibu has a starting spot, I think definitely worth a late one flyers for the upside. 
I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> that's. I'm glad we got some real elaborate thoughts on those two because they are both interesting and they they're. I don't know. They're, are their ADP similar? I wish we, I looked that one up soon because I mean, I don't know if you have it in head of you. You could just type it in and see. But. Yep. Let me one second here. See, key boom is 302, Horner 333. So not too far apart. Relatively similar. So I I mean, we we both like, we all kind of like both of them to a point. We're all relatively similar on both of them. It's just, it's going to be interesting because these are two guys that could vastly jump up ADP, you know, in a big way, assuming that any of the stuff that you anticipate happening, you know, occurs as far as playing time. So. Exactly, and like I've been, these have been two common targets of mine. Like you know, last round or two, just you know, for a they're a middle infielder, so you got that eligibility there. And like I said, what's the risk? There isn't, there is none this year because if you, if you draft them after pick three hundred, if you know second, third week of April or getting into the season, and they suck or they're back down in the minors or whatever it may be. Drop them for a hot free agent. There's exactly. no risk involved in right, drafting these exactly. guys. And if they, you know, hit on their upside, you got a nice little late round pick that maybe turns into a top 150 type player. You know, so I think that definitely the reward definitely outweighs the risk. Especially after pick 300, there's probably no risk, no risk <laughs> at all. It's all about getting your guys. I mean, at that point, you just reach around 280 ish or 270 ish. But that's that's yeah. a little more draft strategy. Um, George. Uh, again, we just we talk about so many guys. Pick a couple that we haven't that you really like, maybe, and elaborate on them. Yeah, I just uh, a couple of the guys I have here right along there with with Keyboom. You know, like you said, late round flyer types. Uh, Willie Adames still like him in Tampa Bay, um, and Luis Ira is going to be interesting. Interesting to see, you know, uh, how he does there in, in Milwaukee now, uh, in that new, in that ballpark. So, I mean, yeah, there just a couple of guys there, Adames and and Urias that. I'm going to be looking at really late in drafts. A guy, uh, one last guy I'm going to touch on is uh, Dansby Swanson. He recently made my sleeper list, and it's like post, post, post hype sleeper at this point with him. <laughs> All right. But when you look at the Statcast data, there's a little to be excited about. There's some stuff red, and um, but you look at like, in limited time, he's got hurt last year. He put up 17 home runs and 10 uh, stolen bases. Some of those home runs were probably juice ball induced, but I still think there's a 20 home run bat there and 10 to 15 steals. You're telling me I can get that at the end of my drafts? He's just and he's only like 25 or 26 years old as well. Another guy that's just kind of being overlooked and should have everyday playing time and what should be one of the better offenses in the league. I'm just overall like really liking what I'm seeing about him, and I've moved my ranks little by little, and I'm I, he's been a target of mine for the middle infield spot for that purpose. Again, just a little bit of all around uh, production. So, is there anybody you want to? finish off the show with here uh eric because i know you got a chance to talk about the prospects but is there anybody else that's towards the bottom there uh yeah i think uh scott kingery is another interesting guy just kind of <coughs> excuse me for you know this little power speed upside that he brings to the table and he, he's taken a little bit higher than you know 300 range he's more like in the 200 range but in fact, yeah. he's, he's gonna be playing every day now um most likely at third you know it's gonna be a, it's a very solid lineup I got, got a lot of nice bats around him. Got you know some big power guys and Harper and Hoskins, and I, I think he could sneakily just be put up like a two sixty, you know, twenty 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 type season, while adding in eighty to ninety runs, seventy to eighty RBIs. I think he can really push you know top one fifty values. I think I think he's a good one there, um, and you know he's multi position eligibility too, which always helps. Um, and I definitely ag- agree on Urias. Uh, and, I, and I've never been the highest around on Urias. 
just because the fact that he's kind of obviously he's mostly mostly an empty batting average, and, and there's more power in that bat than he's shown. But I don't think he's I think peak eighteen to twenty home run guy. But I think especially getting out of San Diego, you know, he was very clustered there, especially with them getting you know bringing over Profar. So I think him getting you know a chance to, to play every day. Um, that shortstop in Milwaukee, I think it's to be. I think it's a nice change of scenery for him. So I think definitely a late run fire there. You know, the, the hit tool is good. The, the context those are great. Uh, I think he'd be an annual kind of 300 guy. I don't think he's a, like, added much in the way of of power and, and speed, but he's kind of a guy that kind of, kind of like a Luis Ar- Arias. I can't remember say his last name. Arias. 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 <laughs> Something like that. Um, I think he's kind of one of those guys that just. Adding average, oh. you know, what gives you and whatever else he gives you is just gravy. So I think he's a great late round target, especially in deeper leagues. Yeah, those are uh, good calls. I I'm right there, kind of with you on uh, Kingery. I have him 24th, uh, just one spot ahead of you, right there. Um, like you said, a good power <laughs> speed potential there. I, I I like him. I'm a fan of Kingery. I think he kind of reminds me of an early uh, Marcus Simeon, actually. See, uh, I I have him at 27. <laughs> I'm I'm I, I get the power speed, but that batting average is a legitimate concern. I think he's more yeah. two, he I needs think to cut down on the strikeouts for sure. That two thirty um, batting average is a legitimate outcome. And okay, back to okay. I guess this is this isn't going to end because now I'm going to ask you about Alec Bohm or Bomb, however you say his last name. Shouldn't he come up and arguably fight him for some playing time at third base? Sorry to cut you off, George, but now I'm I got to go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. Bohm is definitely ready uh, um, or close to being ready, at, at least in 2020. I don't think he's really up till midseason. And at that point, you know, he can play. He's played both third and first. So I, I think when he's ready, uh, I, I think that spot is his. I mean, he's been groomed. They, they let go of Mich- I mean, Michael Franco. It's obvious that he is the third baseman of the future there, or maybe first baseman. I mean, his defense at third isn't the greatest, but um, yeah. So, uh, I, I think he's when he's re- deemed ready, um, I think he's definitely got to come up. And, and he's, he's not too far off. I think he probably starts the year AAA. Um, but they don't have any really need to rush him unless, you know, maybe they're in a playoff hunt and Kingery just sucks, which is definitely a possibility. So I, I do agree there's some at- batting average concerns as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think but I think Kingery, yeah, he loses the point at third, but – I think he has the versatility where he can play outfield. He can play second. He can play short. Or I think he might maybe move in back into a super utility role and still play, you know, five to six times a week. So I'm not too, too concerned about that. And one last thing I just want to touch on Urias real quick is, um, didn't he last season go back down to AAA after that, you know, a little bit of a rough start with his little cup of coffee to start the year? Yeah. And um, right. Yeah, he but did, wasn't that yeah. wasn't that part of a wasn't that part of a swing change he's made too? Like he actually added loft to his swing in the minors. That's what caused the uh, power. Yeah, no, yeah, he, he did. He did make a minor mechanical adjustment. Yeah, um, I love seeing that stuff, man. I love it, tangible change. And it, it doesn't surprise me. Like I said, he's a great, he's just a great hitter. He's a high mm-hmm. baseball IQ. So you know, he he knows what's going on with his swing, and you know, they they have a good. When he was in, they had a really good, you know, player development team out there in San Diego. So um, definitely between him and some of the, some of the coaches, they kind of you know saw a little something. I'm not exactly sure what they saw, but you know, definitely. Like I said, there's, there's more power in that bat. I think they were trying to unlock that, and I think they they can do that without sacrificing any of the batting average or any of the contact skills. So I think I think it was a good change, um, and it's and one of the reasons why I'm I'm still. Know, fairly confident that he can turn into at least a, one of those high floor guys that you, that you take, you know, mid to late rounds just to kind of 
get some you know floor and bolster yeah bolster yeah, some stuff exactly what, what you know what's funny is that as soon as you said more of a contact guy that added some loft and pop i'm not saying he's yelich but that reminds me a lot of yelich coming over to to the brewers and adding that swing that little bit of a swing adjustment and now look at what he i mean i'm not endorsing that i'm just saying that's where <laughs> that's where my mind went when you told me somebody with a really good you know um bat to ball skill really good contact skill all that good stuff you know just and then changing his uh, swing maybe i mean and that park can really just hands out home runs you know so right like it, it wouldn't shock me if he hit 20 home runs this year if he yeah every day. it wouldn't I wish I would, I wish I didn't even mention him in the same sentence as Yelich, but that's like the name that popped in my head as somebody that did kind of what you were just talking about. So, on that note, because that's egregious to even make that comparison, <laughs> that's a good place to end it. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Remind everybody where they can follow you, so I don't screw it up again. What type of stuff you got working, and all that other fancy schmancy jumbo? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, on Twitter at Eric Cross zero four. Um, got a lot of stuff going up here. Obviously, my my top twenty fives. I'm doing two a week. Those drop Mondays and Fridays. Um, now that I got all my uh, my black book stuff done, which got to like, go out and buy that. It's a great book. Um, it's only like fourteen fifteen bucks, so to get like. 400 pages of stuff so it's a great great resource but uh yeah now that that my stuff for that has been submitted i can really jump into a lot of 2020 you know just regular fancy baseball stuff and got my uh updated dynasty rankings coming out here later in the week probably thursday i believe those are gonna be dropping um start doing some breakouts some sleepers some busts some more deep dive analytical work on some players and so it's really kind of, kind of getting the ball churning here towards 2020. Now I have a little more time on my hands. I wish I had more time. I keep picking up more projects. I can't say no. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I hear yeah. you, dude. I'm the same way. Well, <laughs> not enough hours in the day for all that we want to do. But Good thing yeah, I, good I stuff, only sleep like four hours a day. So. <laughs> yeah, well, what's, what's sleep? I have to go do my uh, top outfielder rankings. Top 80, right? I think that's what it is. Get, get those in our dog will come after you. Oh, yeah. I know. Uh, now, now I'm going to have to see him in person, so I'm really going to get strangled. All right. On that note, um, you can follow George on Twitter at jmontanas90. Don't forget to follow me as well if you'd like. I'm at Mike underscore Curland. You can follow the podcast page on Twitter at Bases Loaded Pod. And as always, guys, we just appreciate you listening and um, talk to you soon. Bye.